0: From God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior that that one who does and only one who does offer that beautiful freedom to us when the Son that sets us free we will be free indeed in his name we begin amen here's our text it's the last few verses uh, of that longer section from first Peter chapter 2 for this is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good do this as free people and do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, because, but use it as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Let's just bar our heads for a moment, quick moment of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, you would bless us as we hear your word this morning. Please open our minds uh, and our ears that we may hear and enlighten us so that we understand. Uh, Please open our hearts that we may take in and believe this word. And, And by your spirit, Lord, work in our souls that we might be empowered to live out our freedom and to live these truths in a way that is honoring to you and brings blessings to our neighbors and families. We ask this, dear Jesus, because you are the author of true freedom, amen. That is a big word. I mean, not big in the sense of it's got lots of letters. I don't think anything ever beats supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? But, but in concept, freedom is huge. Why else would people be willing to go and die on a battlefield for it if it wasn't so important, if it wasn't worth losing life for? this is, is such a big thing, and it may mean different things to different people. You know, I don't know about around here, but last night out in Greenville, you know, the fireworks started probably about quarter to nine, and they didn't get done until about midnight. Woo! For some, freedom is just being able to go and buy illegal fireworks and shoot them off, and we don't care, go ahead, call the cops. <laughs> to me, that is not a Christian use of freedom, keeping your neighbors up and your grandson, you know, till midnight. It's downright rude. That's an abuse of freedom. I don't care what the law says, the fireworks are legal. right? But for some, it's just being able to do it. For some, it's the picnic and the beer. right? And maybe watching the brewers. For, for some, it's family gatherings. For some, it's attending the parade. Uh, this word has a lot of different implications for a lot of different people. But today we're just going to try and I'm going to try and keep it simple and have us focus on that that dual citizenship that we have that we we bear both in mind that we are citizens in the kingdom of Christ and set free by the blood of his son Jesus Christ and what that means and that influences us how we live in this country called the United States of America and interact with others. let's start at the cross maybe I always say that's the best place to start right let's start at the cross in the shadow of that cross as we see the Savior outstretched on Calvary and and the blood dripping from every place on that body and we hear him cry out in agony it is finished that's a beautiful thing when it comes to our freedom it's finished. Your freedom has been won, it's been secured, and the Father has, you know, accepted this sacrifice that Jesus came to this earth and, and lived in perfection. You know, our our founding fathers, when they wrote that Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and they formed this beautiful thing called a republic, Our, you know, some people call it a democracy, but it's a republic. They... If you read the original founders, you know, they will say this form of government will fail miserably if our people are not self restrained, self controlled. Because they knew that they would not be able to pass laws nor police, right? Two and a half million people and look over their shoulder and say, What you doing there? Right? They needed people to have self-restraint and that self-restraint would come because they were a changed people set free by Christ. You know, it's interesting. I I wanted you to see that whole section from 1 Peter because Peter goes back. It's almost like he, he goes back from the cross where he himself received forgiveness and freedom for denying Jesus. And he goes back to the Old Testament and he makes that quote. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. He's traveling all the way back to the time of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah had a contemporary by the name of Hosea. And God chose to use Hosea in an amazing way to, to live out an object lesson for the children of Israel. God was so angry and so disappointed at their defiance and their stubbornness and their insistence to stamp their foot and say, we're going to live however we want to because we're free people. God says, Hosea, go ma- ma- marry a whore. and all that strong talk. But he found a prostitute that was well known among all the people and he was asked to marry her as a sign or a symbol of their unfaithfulness, of their, their stubborn desire to live however they wanted to, apart from God's word and will. And then when they had their first child, their first son, God says, give him the name lo not my people. Now you've got a tangible reminder with legs. Come here, lo-a-me, Not my people. And when the daughter was born, God commanded Hosea give her the name Lo Ruhamah. Not loved. Maybe two of the most terrible labels that could ever be fixed on a child. Not my people of God. Not loved by God. Jesus' cross changed all that. It's through his life, death, and resurrection from the grave that it's possible for God to adopt us into his family, and the waters of holy baptism now have that power to cleanse you from your sin and give you that new label, right? Loved by God, that's what Peter was saying but now you are a people of God, but now you have been shown mercy. You've been shown the love of God in Christ Jesus and set free from the curse that you were born under. But that change can't go without effect. In 1 Peter chapter 1, all the way through the first four verses, God talks about the connection and the relationship with Jesus, the, 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 the rock, the cornerstone, and that we too have all been living stones attached to him, and there's this beautiful temple that's rising to the glory of God. What a privilege. But now he goes on in our section, he says, now here's the difference that that makes as you interact with your families and with your spouses and your neighbors and your governors and the people in your community, how does that freedom change you and the way that you live? That's where Peter is gonna take us in our conversation this morning. You know, I am talking to people this morning that I, I believe all have the freedom of Christ Jesus by virtue of their faith. People who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live differently. I always feel badly for unbelievers because you know what, they can't help it. They are under the slavery of their sin and they are captive to it and Satan has them right where he wants them in the palm of his hand and he is just a slimy son of the the devil And, and he loves to to make their lives miserable thinking to believe that as they exercise their freedom it's great but you know what it's temporary only believers have the power that freedom in Christ freedom from sin Freedom from the curse of the law, freedom from death brings. St. Peter says, use your freedom. And first, as you can see, he puts it in the negative. Don't use it as a cover-up for evil. But he says, use your freedom, because in that freedom, there's power. Power to serve God, power to serve your other. But there's power. Use your freedom in Christ. Here's a thought I want to just share with you. Those who have been set free in Christ by faith and receive the limitless power that includes must wrestle with the I can't versus the I won't dilemma as they live out their freedom in their day-to-day life. Most of you know me, right? Been doing this gig a long time. And and you know, you you ask pastors, right, who have served 40 years, 50 years, and, and they would tell you some of the saddest counseling situations, you know, someone would come in, plop down into the office, Pastor, I need your help. I, I just can't stay married to my husband. And they're going on and on and telling you the sob story of how badly he treats her. And you know, sinful schmuck that I am, you, you try to be a really good listener, but it's hard sometimes. And your mind is racing to what you'd like to say next already. You know, that you've already got an answer. And, And you know, those are the ones that break my heart because I'm thinking all along I can't get past your first statement. Is this a matter of I can't or I won't? I just can't stay married to my husband. We just can't communicate as a couple. I just can't discipline my children like I know that they should. I just can't stop drinking. I can't tame my tongue. You know, I can't, I've got this temper that it just flares like this, and I can't get it under control. And I say to you, as those who have been set free in Christ, hogwash. That's about the most polite term I can come up with right now. If we've been set free in Christ and his spirit lives within us, the Bible says that we have been empowered with limitless power to live our freedom in a way that is not a matter of I can't, but I can in Christ. Isn't isn't that one of the passages that we just all love and fall all over, Philippians 4, 13? The athletes put it on the back of their helmet and on their tennis shoes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that a lie? Do you take that piece of scripture and say, well, that applies to everybody else, but not to me? I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, who is able, not who might be able or who could be able, who is able according to the power that is at work within us to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. You have the power to live out your freedom and master those things that Satan may have convinced you, you can't master. Is your temper really more powerful than God's Holy Spirit? Is your tongue, when you whittle down your wife when you're in an argument or your husband when you're in an argument, is his spirit really not more powerful than than your tongue and your conversation there? Are you saying you can't be tough enough to love your child and discipline him the way he needs to be disciplined rather than taking the easy route out? There is power in the freedom of Christ. Power to live as victorious people because we live from his victory over sin, not ours, not my strength, but God's strength. That the sins that Satan wants us to believe, well, this is just the way I am, can all be put aside. brings us to the purpose of freedom right? St. Peter says use your freedom as servants of God fear God first and foremost right that this is one of the things that we need to come to an understanding that as I have been set free in Christ I, I understand that my role in life now is to serve him, to use my freedom right? To bring him glory, to honor him and praise him and thank him not to get my name up in lights, not to see how many patents I can come up with, not to get to the top of the ladder and break through the grass ceiling in a man's world, not to make sure that people think highly of me or to see how many degrees I've been able to accomplish. That's not my purpose. Nor is it my purpose to have my my grandchildren think I'm the best Grammy in the whole world. We sometimes live for our kids and our grandkids, right? And as though that is the meaning of life. I love my grandkids. But sometimes, as St. Paul said, you know, you lead to live in this life as temporary citizens, as aliens, as people who are just passing through. If you get attached to the things and accomplishments and the people of this world so that you don't keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and serving him, you may lose your way and your purpose. What a blessing to have that cross remind us of our freedom each and every day. And who gives us that freedom as a gift? St. Peter goes on to say, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, honor the king. In other words, this is a, you know, from borrowing and from the South, this is an all y'all, right? Use your freedom to serve every other human being because they are God's children. No ifs, ands, or buts, no exceptions. Honor everyone. (coughs) Love the brotherhood. Even those cranky people at church that when you see them across the lobby and you go, oh boy. God wants us to understand how important that is that we use our freedom in a way that takes everybody into consideration. When you decide that the laws don't apply to you, that you no longer need to honor God nor the laws of this country and even though speed limit says 70 and you've decided you want to do 82 or 85, I resent that because you're putting my family at risk. And you're a lawbreaker. You're breaking the fourth commandment and the first commandment. When you decide that some of the other laws don't apply to you and you've been out with friends and you probably you know you've had more than enough to drink and you're driving buzzed or driving drunk, I resent that because that's sin. Again, You're putting your neighbors at risk. You're putting your family at risk. You're putting other people in our community at risk with a disregard because you're free to have as many as you want. that you don't take care of your health. And, and I know I'm not a perfect picture. This is like the pot calling the kettle black. I get that. But we need to be aware of the fact that God gives us this one. And can we have the freedom you know, to eat Oreos three times a day? Sure, we've got the freedom to do it. But should we use your freedom to honor God? This is the only life, the only body you're going to get. And your neighbors and your family are your only neighbors and families you're going to get. Use your freedom to serve God and bring him glory and give him thanks. And and to be an example and a source of blessing for those around you. And we want to pursue that a little bit further. But here's my thought that I want to share with you. Those who have been set free in Christ by faith and embrace their purpose as servants of God and his children will struggle to bend their will in submission to God and live out their freedom for the good of others. You know, this is not easy. The the inherent nature of our sinful nature is pride, arrogance, stubbornness, ego, right? And to, to bend our will, to bow our head to God and say, thy will be done, that is not an easy task. But that's where the power of the Spirit comes in to acknowledge that God's word and God's will is always good, is always best. And if that means I need to put my neighbor first and put God first in all my decisions as I live out my freedom, then so be it. I want to make God smile. I want to be a blessing for my neighbor. You know, when we lived in Minnesota, we had a guy in church that just about came to blows with his neighbor because he had mowed six inches over on his lot line. Right, just about duped it out right there with him. You mowed six inches over on my lot line. And, and, and that guy had a choice, right? The next time he came out to mow, you know, did he, did he mow like two inches over that time just to annoy him and see what he'd do this time? No. That's not using your freedom. You know what? He made a point of making sure that he observed that because he wanted to be a good neighbor. He wanted to understand that, right? They're watching. I'm a witness. I'm a testimony to what it is to those who have freedom in Christ Jesus. St. Paul puts it in an interesting way. Or Martin Luther, I'm sorry. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord subject to no one Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all, right? We wear those two hats and none of us can say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what my behavior and how it affects anybody else. I don't care what kind of example I'm setting. That is not appropriate for those who have freedom in Christ and the blessing of freedom in our country. St. Paul said, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible will you win them all no as Peter wrote to these Christians who were suffering for their faith was he telling them that they were going to get all the Gentiles to stop worshiping Mithra the moon god no but he said possibly the way you live out your freedom might save some let's just wrap it up with the potential of freedom because I think we underestimate this This is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. I know, I know. There's a few going,
1: yeah, let's
0: stick it to them and we'll make those people shut up. We'll make them stick it in their pipe and smoke it for a while. Silence those ignoramuses. That's not what Peter's saying. You know, it's like when you see people, whether that's men or women. In fact, last night at church, I had a wife come by me and just stand as we were visiting. She said, you know, they always say it's the women who are like this, but pastor, take a look at that, right? One thing I know, right, and I could be accused of it, but one thing I know, right? When you're really, really busy doing this, you're really, really poor at doing this. You know, when Scripture says a person should be more ready to listen than to speak, what Peter is saying is you're not going to convince people to become a Christian or to give your Christian faith a try by arguing them into it. But if you live out your freedom in, in honesty and kindness and generosity and sharing, If you take special cares to raise your family and set boundaries for them, for your children, and for each other. Finally, the talking, like, ah, those Christians. Find the talking silences, and the eyes start looking at your witness. And just maybe that curiosity and that question of, what makes them tick? Why are they different? How come they live like that? Maybe that is enough to open a door to your witness for Jesus and that they too, through your witness can become right open to that freedom that Christ only can give. And when we look at this, those who belong who have been set free in Christ are emboldened in their lives, witness to the risen Christ, never overestimating their own self-importance, yet never underestimating the potential of how God may use them. We don't know exactly what God's going to do. But you know what? We're, we're, our goal, one of them, is to win honor for the Christian faith, win respect for the Christian faith by how we live. We better put our money where our mouth is. Christians have already got a bad enough reputation, don't they? Right? The way that we live out our freedom in Christ wins respect for the Christian faith. Do you remember what they said in the first century, some of the witnesses? It's recorded. See how they love one another. Wow. These people are really different. They actually care. Peter says, live an honorable life among the Gentiles so that even though they slander you as evildoers, when they observe your noble deeds, they may glorify God on the day he visits us. Even if our living out of freedom doesn't convert people to the Christian faith so that they're saved by faith through Jesus, on the end, no one is gonna be able to say that, that they never saw the difference that Jesus made. At the end, God may say, right, Chuck, Linda, you did a great job, you know what? Those unbelievers that lived down the street for you, they saw you day after day, they saw you having devotions out in the park, they saw you go to church every Sunday morning, man, they had to bow the knee and say, right? There's only one name under heaven given among men. We didn't believe in him, but we saw the difference he could make. They all will give glory to the one by how you live out your freedom, right? All right, last passage. Why is my freedom judged by someone else's conscience? Do everything to the glory of God. Do not give offense to Jews or Greeks or God's church just as I also try to place all people in all things by not seeking what is best for me, but for the many, so that they may be saved. In other words, it answers two significant questions. Why should I? The question that every three-year-old asks, why? Why? Do it for the glory of God. Not because they deserve it. Not because you're in a good mood. Not because you're feeling charitable. Whatever you do in living out your freedom, do it to the glory of God why so that maybe just maybe because you didn't abuse your freedom as a cover-up for evil but you used it to the glory of God and for their good just maybe they'll be saved along with you for eternity that's our prayer isn't it Amen.